0: I will tell you, and I know that this, people probably think that they're hearing this over and over, but it's for a very good reason. Exercise is crucial. And, and I think it is, I know it is. I hear people all the time say, when I get busy, I stop exercising. Right. And it is, it will help everything. There's this fantastic video online, it's a doctor whose name I'm forgetting right now, where he says, you know, the one thing that I would recommend to all my patients, this is an MD, and he says, exercise, it helps everything. So, you know, whatever that looks like for you, for somebody that might be, you know, CrossFit HIT workouts, for someone else that might be taking a 20 minute walk every day or doing yoga in your living room. So whatever that looks like for you, get moving, keep moving.
1: Hi. I would love to start with who you are, what you do, and how we know each other.
0: All right. I'm Dr. Julie Brush. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I work at Amen Clinic, which is um, focused on brain health. Um, As a naturopathic doctor, I have an integrative approach. So my training sort of, I think, takes the best for both worlds. I'm well-trained in um, standard of care medicine. I can prescribe most medications. But my preference is to utilize a holistic approach um, when I work with patients and treat the whole person, and also to address underlying issues instead of just using a band aid
1: approach. I'd love to just unpack natural path for a second, because if people aren't familiar with that terminology, can you give us some examples how, I mean, I know because you treat me, so I have a really good idea of this, but how you approach things? Really looking at the whole self. What are your emotions doing? What are your hormones doing? What's going on with your body? Like, can you give us some examples of that?
0: Yeah. So I think it's important. um, Whole person approach means that I'm not just looking at your physical symptoms. And even more so, I'm not just looking at a physical symptom. A lot of times when people go to their doctor, there's literally you have, you know, maybe a 20 minute visit if you're lucky. And they will address one issue, right? So you can, you can go in and you can say, I have headaches. But you can't say I have headaches and PMS and I can't sleep at night because that's too much for one visit. So, so there's more time and um, space to address everything that's going on and, and sort of the recognition that those things may be all part of a common root cause. Um, for example, those three things I just said might be because you have progesterone dominance or estrogen dominance. And so it could be all going back to the sex hormones, but, you know, you may, if you go to a mainstream doctor, maybe you just get um, headache medication for, you know, those three symptoms, even though if we address the root cause, which maybe is hormonal imbalance, we actually, you know, three birds with one stone there by addressing that underlying cause. Um, Also, I think recognizing that we're not just physical beings, but we're mental, emotional, spiritual beings. And so all of those aspects are important when we're looking at whole person health and self care and, you know, recognizing that, that all of those are important components of us as human beings. And um, if we only address the physical, we're missing some big parts of, you know, what makes us healthy and whole.
1: Yeah, I so I will tell listeners I got to meet Dr. Brush for the first time because when I went to Dr. Amen, who the listeners are very familiar with because he's been on the show uh, several times, when I went to see Dr. Amen, you have to fill out just you know nine miles of questionnaires <laughs> to get in the room. You got to fill out all of this stuff, and in filling it out. When he first looked at it, he said, You know, I think it's possible you're estrogen dominant. Have you ever had that tested? Do you know what that is? And I Googled immediately, like I Googled what are the symptoms, and I started crying oh, because wow. all of those almost all of them, I think there were like 12 possible symptoms of estrogen dominance. And um, I had all but one. And I had thought I was sort of like going crazy or I was getting worse. Like the older I got, the worse I was getting. I just sort of had all these stories in my head about what was happening to me. And it never occurred to me that my hormones were out of balance. And so he set up time for us to talk and get to know. And immediately I was like, well, you know, I've done the blood work and I don't know. And you were like, no, no, this is what's happening. And here's what we're going to do. And it felt like someone throwing me like a life preserver. And um, I would love to talk about when women come to you and like what are the most common things that you're seeing or have seen over the last handful of years where people don't realize that it's actually this. Like with me, I didn't know it was estrogen dominance. And we can talk about that in a minute and the treatment Uh, plan and all of it. But what are you used to seeing that people are having like that light bulb go off like I did? Like, oh gosh, there's a way to help myself.
0: Yeah. You know, I have to say that I get the light bulbs from people every day in my practice. There's a lot of people there. I know there's lots of people in your audience who've probably worked with a holistic or an integrative doctor, which is fantastic. And there's probably a lot of people who never have, but I get people every day as new patients who've never, been asked the kinds of questions that they were asked on the intake and who's never really had the chance to look for deeper issues, the the time or space to do that. Certainly female hormones is is, um, a big one, Um, any kind of hormones, actually. I think that um, a lot of times the testing that's done when people come with symptoms that might be hormonal or um, symptoms that may may be hormonal, but aren't on the surface immediately apparent, the testing that's done is very superficial. It's very, um, it's a, it's a very narrow approach and very easily misses the problem. Um, Not very sensitive, not very specific testing. So they say, well, my doctor checked my thyroid, for example, and I, you know, all they did was look at TSH. Well, if you actually broaden that test and you even add just two more tests to that thyroid panel, but wait a minute, you're actually Thyroid's really sluggish. Your thyroid's overactive, and that's playing a big role here. But I also, you know, at Amen Clinic, a lot of my patients are focused on brain health, and um, there's so much that goes into brain health. You know, there's so much about nutrition, lifestyle, um, mental, emotional health, as well as things like, um, you know, we're always casting a net trying to figure out what's causing the problems, toxicity in the environment past exposures to, um, chemicals, pesticides, and as well as hormonal balance and especially hormonal insufficiency, um, absolutely plays an important role in brain health. So, um, you know, those are some examples, but I would say that, uh, oh, food allergies and sensitivities is another one that people don't mm. realize how strong and like multifaceted that kind of reaction can be. And a lot of times people have food allergies or sensitivities and they don't realize it because the reaction is delayed. So, um, you know, for example, say you had terrible brain fog today, it you was know, something you ate two days ago. It can be really hard to figure that out. Right. So Ooh, interesting.
1: Um, yeah. I feel like, um, cause I, when I was knowing that I was going to get to talk to you and so excited for the audience to get to hear your wisdom, um, I was thinking. I feel like you're, I don't know if this sounds so cheesy, but you're like a detective Mm -hmm. and I've never sort of had a medical detective on my side, helping to figure out what's going on. And because you and I have talked pretty regularly over maybe the last six, nine months, even, I don't, I don't know how long it's been now. um, I, I feel like in the beginning of our relationship, I would have been like, oh, Dr. Brush, can I just get a session with you to talk through this? And now I feel like I'm learning to do that myself. Like I'm like, okay, what happened or what, what, what's different about your pattern? Why are you – and I'm able to kind of um, create my own solutions mm-hmm. when before I thought, oh, this is just the way my brain is made and there's not really anything I can do. And it's so empowering to understand um, – what's happening or to try and figure it out and i would love it could you tell just because this was such a huge thing for me can you tell the symptoms of estrogen dominance or progesterone dominance like if somebody's listening to this and they're about to have that light bulb moment that i have will you walk us through what emotions they might be experiencing that can tell them that something's off with them hormonally
0: Sure. And, you know, I love that you feel like you've become a detective as well. I agree. I feel like I'm absolutely a detective because when someone comes in initially, now I do sometimes use Band-Aid approaches and I prefer natural approaches when possible, but I do sometimes use medication. But a lot of times I'll use a Band-Aid while we're addressing the underlying issue, just so you feel, the patient feels a little bit better yeah. in the meantime, while we're doing yeah. a little more detective work, a little more digging, maybe a little more testing. Um, and there are you know, a lot of signs and symptoms of estrogen dominance. And they do, I would say they change maybe a little bit throughout as we age. But I think um, estrogen dominance is far more common in Western civilization, than progesterone dominance, I would say I can probably count on one hand the times I've seen progesterone dominance. But estrogen dominance is very common for a number of reasons. Some very common symptoms in someone who's cycling would be, in um, a female who's still having their periods, would be um, PMS. Okay. Especially PMS. That's pretty intense. And, and I usually say, you know, if it's changing your life and your function in that week to two weeks before your period, um, that's a good sign because that's the time of the month that we would naturally expect both estrogen and progesterone to go up and have this nice little peak. If progesterone is not strong, then estrogen is, has more of a peak than the progesterone. That's when you feel that estrogen dominance. The most tends to make us very emotional. I like to tell people it's not that you create new problems, but the things in your life that don't feel quite right or feel a little off kilter, or maybe would be normally a little irritating, but something you could live with and just move on from feel bigger. So those emotional swings can be a
1: lot stronger. And I just, I, I feel like it's important. I want to just stop on this really quickly because... I was raised, my friends were raised, so many women I know were raised to believe you're going to turn into a super bitch the week before. You're going to act like a crazy person. You're going to be mean to everyone. You're going to cry out. And that's normal. And what I just – if people don't walk away with anything else out of this conversation, what I want them to hear is that if you're – I love it how you said it. Like if it's affecting your life in major ways, if you're having that kind of wild swings – something's going on and there is help and there are things that you can do that will make it get better. So I just, before you finish, I just want people to like hear that. I love that. And I,
0: and I think it's actually really important that we recognize this is not because you are crazy or, you know, just irrational, because I think that it's really important to understand, have some compassion for the fact that our hormones have a really strong effect on our emotional well being. And, um, and that we can really feel hijacked by our hormones and it's not a, a flaw in our character. It's not a flaw in our gender. It is a sign of an imbalance that can be corrected. Um, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of young women who have suicidality, who have depression that gets, you know, periodically to the point where they actually feel like they want to self-harm or they want to, um, you know, end their lives. There can be that estrogen dominance can be playing a really big role. I can't wow. even tell you how many young women come to me after you know a suicide attempt, and when I talk to them more and more, I realize every suicide attempt, most self harm is happening in that week to two weeks before their period. And no um,
1: way, I just got chills. That's crazy. <laughs> and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Do you ever get like, because the more that I learn about the subject, the more I'm I'm just flabbergasted that women don't have this information. I'm flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. I I like. Do you ever just go like, what? "Hello," <laughs> What? <laughs> because it feels like this is stuff that we need to know. Mm-hmm. And the more that I understand, I, like truly, this this journey over the last year to balance my hormones is the most. Self-discovery is the most compassion I've ever had for myself, is the happiest I've been. Now, balanced by like trying to figure things out, and it's not an easy process, but it is truly life-changing, life-changing. And I'm so grateful that you're here because I just feel like someone today is going to – they're going to be like, oh my God, that's what's going on with me. So sorry, keep going. No, I love that. I
0: want women to be more empowered and have I feel like we are largely raised in this sort of mysterious, like this is going to happen to us and there's nothing we can do about it. And I think it's wrong. I think, um, I really encourage women to track their periods, track their cycles, learn more about what is happening at each, you know, um, part of the cycle. Natural family planning is, was one of the ways that I learned how to track my own cycle this was before I went to medical school. I got a book about natural family planning. I was just looking for um more natural forms of birth control, not because I was trying to get pregnant, but because I was trying to prevent pregnancy. And I yeah. um and I this book was just, it rocked my world because I was like, oh my goodness. Like if I track my cycle, if I track it and I take my temperature, I can actually tell when I'm ovulating. I, I did not yeah. know I could do this. And and I couldn't yes. really understand my mood swings, be like, oh, like this is day, you know, 21 of my cycle. And this is when I start to get really emotional. And so then I could say, I could sort of put it in perspective. Like my boyfriend was driving me crazy and I was like, why is he so terrible? And I'd look at the calendar and go, oh, okay, (laughs) this is what's going on. And it just helped me kind of ground and be like, okay, I'm not going to feel this bad next week. And so I should maybe take a yeah. breath and not start a fight or, you know, confront him head on head because right now, like that's, it's not that it's not a problem. It's not as big as a problem as I feel like it is right now. Yes. And so it helped me sort of centered, get centered and grounded in in that.
1: Because we have worked together and you recommended this for me, I have, I just want to say for people who are listening like, how do I track my cycle? How do I even start? I literally have a note section on my phone for every month. And I'll just put like day 10, day 13, day, you know, and I want to say too, I am 39 years old. I didn't, I, before I met you, I don't think what, that I knew what day one of my cycle was like, I'm 39. I'm just like, I never was taught that information. I didn't know how to track it. So it was really powerful to understand because day 19 through 21 is when my hormones go the wackiest. But I didn't know that. And so for a decade, as this issue had gotten progressively worse, every single month on those days I now realized was when I would feel like I was going crazy. But it wasn't right before my period started. So I was like, well, it's not hormones. I'm just a monster. So understanding, oh, nope, it's, you know, the world's a dig and everyone, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, nope, it's day 19. We're fine. Yes. And I found, um, again, this is sort of the plain detective thing for me. I found that I have to be really conscious of um, – getting vitamin D, just like getting outside, getting in some sunshine. And maybe it's being outside. Maybe maybe it's a combination of all the things that that's really helped me on those days. Like nice. times that I'm like inside and kind of working through those three days of how I feel like is when I feel the worst. Mm. So tracking and paying attention, even if just to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cramping today. I'm mm. kind of having a little, some cramps and then I'll go back and be like, oh yeah, every day on this month, this is when I, I get the cramps. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's really helpful.
0: Nice. I love that. And I love that you're tracking it on your phone. There's also good apps, you know, for tracking, which can have some really nice, um, additional, it can start to predict, Oh, it looks like your cycle on average is this many days. And, um, you know, your, it'll give you little reminders. If you want to, you can, you know, change the settings and it'll say, you know, it looks like you're ovulating on this day. And, um, it can just make it even, you can also like track your symptoms on some of those trackers. I know there's free ones, there's pay ones, but they, um, I love that too, because it gives you a little, um, gives you a platform where you can like put in your symptoms, you can put in and then look for patterns. And I think the patterns are really helpful. Um, really helpful if you're trying to figure out what's going on with your cycle, if you're trying to say, um, you know, to go back to your question about estrogen dominance, Typically people who do have estrogen dominance, and let me just say it out loud. Day one of your cycle is the first day of your menstrual bleed, right? For so anyone who didn't know that, that's yes. considered day one yes. um, when you're talking with And
1: like doctors. the re- like really bleeding, because I will spot a little bit right. like a couple of days before, but it's like really bleeding. First, that's yes, that's got when it. day one. Yeah. Love it.
0: And and it's very, um, I would say people with estrogen dominance. Typically, it's in starting around day 14 or even a week later, day 21, until the day one, till the next day one. So it's usually um, day one is the first day of your period, and then around three weeks later to the end of your cycle. But for some women, it's even two weeks later to the end of the cycle. And um, that estrogen dominance, again, lots more um, of the emotional swings, not uncommon to also have. Some some women have cramping, lots of women have breast tenderness, um, maybe holding on to water weight, um, so a little more like feeling puffy and loaded. Yeah. Exactly. Those are really classic symptoms. Some women also experience um poor sleep, um, so they don't sleep as soundly or they wake up more, even before perimenopause, before your cycle starts to change, someone will have. Um, night sweats or hot flashes, and so those are some very common symptoms. I would say of estrogen dominance.
1: And wasn't isn't um, loss of sex drive, or there's something to do with uh, sex drive with estrogen dominance? Is
0: Definitely that right? see lower libido in general, um, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. But it is sometimes the case. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. High stress yeah. tends to worsen the symptoms of estrogen dominance yeah. because the same building blocks, the same hormonal building blocks that that, um, are used to make progesterone are also used to make cortisol. So cortisol is a stress response, right? So if you're under a lot of stress, your body will pull more of those building blocks towards the cortisol or the stress response pathway. It'll prioritize those hormones. And as a result, lower progesterone, um, and, and so stress can actually worsen those symptoms.
1: And you did, this was something you taught me, which was really helpful was that piece was like, um, I remember after, I guess it, maybe the first of the year or something, we had like a regular session and I was like, yeah, I have, I've been not feeling, I've been feeling off whatever. you we were like, okay, well, what's going on? And I said, no, I'm feeling great. I you know, I just ran a marathon. I was, and you were like, okay, you just ran a marathon. And I was like, and yeah, and I did, I had COVID. You were like, oh God. Okay. Well, (laughs) your hormones are going, you, you were like, I probably would not have recommended that you run a marathon when you were just sick because you're trying to balance these hormones and it, you know, progesterone's an issue and exactly what you just said. So, even learning that, that those types of things would throw me off is is really helpful. And I'd love for you to talk about the um, oils and seeds because this protocol, uh, well, uh, it, this is like a game changer and it's so easy. Oh, it's nice. so easy to incorporate it into your life So, and it has changed mine. So will you please tell listeners what it is and why we use it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about the alternating oils and seeds protocol, which help Mm -hmm. to give your body the type of essential fatty acids or healthy oils that you need at the specific types of um, parts of the cycle. So, um, this is, um, yeah, it's really easy to do. I love food as medicine, and this is one way to use food as medicine. And, um, we divide the cycle into two parts. So the first half, which is day one, first day of your period to day 14, which is about when most women ovulate and then days 15 through the end of the cycle or the next day one is the second half. So the first half of the cycle, we're focusing on. I think of it as the first half is F and then we're looking at fish oil, which is the essential fatty acid in a supplement form. And then we're looking at flax seeds. And so um, the fish oil would be Depending on you know your specific thing your specific needs, at least two thousand milligrams of high quality fish oil every day, days one through fourteen, and then you can add um, if you'd like to add raw seeds, raw ground flax seeds is a great choice. There, I usually say just put one to two tablespoons on you know salad or granola every day. Um, Really good source of essential fatty acids as well as uh, fiber from flax seeds.
1: I do. So just to, just as like a tip for listeners, I do a green smoothie every morning. And so I'll just, um, I get whole flax seed, whole raw flax seeds. I um, blend them for a couple of seconds before and then make my smoothie on top and drink it. And then it's done for the day. So uh, just, and you don't have to think about it again.
0: Yep, exactly. And you can do both. You can do either, um, but it will help to give your body the type of essential fatty acid that you really need most during that first half of your cycle, mm-hmm. and then the second half, about halfway through um, the month, until your next day mm-hmm. one, you use um, evening primrose oil, which is a different mm-hmm. fatty acid composition. Evening primrose oil, five hundred to a thousand milligrams a day, plus the um, the food as medicine. There would be sesame or sunflower seeds. So raw is better and you can use, um, raw sunflower seed butter or raw, um, uh, tahini as well. Um, so the ground form is oh, okay, nice. I didn't yeah. know that. but you, again, I would just, um, I used to do this for years. I did this and I had like a, a glass jar of ground flaxseed with my fish oil caps in the fridge with little right. one of 14 on the lid. And then yeah. I had my raw sunflower seeds and my evening primrose with day 14 to 28 on the lid. And then I would just yeah.
1: rotate that way. Yeah. Um, really easy. Yeah. To- with the sunflower seeds, I literally just take, uh, I have the bag on the counter, so I won't forget. And I just take a two tablespoon. I eat them, just pour them in my mouth. And again, <laughs> it's done. That works. Um, and I, I really, I cannot explain, like, it feels a bit like magic. I know it's not but i remember when we first started talking afterwards and i was like i'm really good like i'm i'm the happiest i've been in a, a decade like i i didn't even know it was possible i feel like myself i feel like like i forgot what this felt like to feel this good and i know it works because not this month but the month before i i just was like confused and thrown off and i wasn't doing my oil seed regimen correctly and I, oh, blessed assurance, like things went so wrong. So this was, we talked about this. This is I had a period where I thought I was like hemorrhaging. Like I just, I, I could not stop bleeding. I real, it was a very, and this month I was so strict. Dr. Brush would be so proud of me. I just had the you know the easiest nicest period oh, that's lovely. the i was like good job uterus way to <laughs> way to go way to way to do it the right way and not destroy my life so i was like oh this is such a simple thing and it really does help so much
0: i love that yeah and it is it is simple but it is you know it's it's just putting that self care in there and just giving your body what it needs so that you have better balance and you know we really we really don't we don't do a lot of that. We're we're very busy. Yeah. In our um this culture we're very busy. We push ourselves, we overcommit um and we don't take that like extra minute to say, "Oh, you know what? This is this is going to help me take really good care of myself so that I'm in better balance." And I love that that's really working well for you.
1: I am taking my four children away this weekend Get your own. Can I hear – I would love to hear your opinion on birth control, um, specifically, I guess, medical or whatever you would call it. Um, not – what? How? Do, what's the terminology? Like when you're using a pill or an IUD or something like that, um, hormonal birth control? Is that what you call it? Hormonal birth control, yeah, yeah. So like oral birth control. Um, Yes. Okay. Um, so I just have had um, – I'm not on birth control. That was a decision that, um, you know, you and I talked through quite a lot. But I really felt like I had worked so hard to get my hormones balanced. And kind of every time I tried those types of birth control, I just felt like I was going crazy. And the more and more I talk to women on my team, older women, younger women, it feel I. I feel like a lot of women think that they have to be on birth control in order to prevent pregnancy, Mm -hmm. even though the symptoms and the side effects, and this is not for everyone I know, but that they're having horrible side effects. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just watched this video. This is so random, but um, Haley Bieber, who's Justin Bieber's wife, Mm -hmm. um, had a blood clot. And was telling the story of she realized after the fact she should not ever have been on birth control, but she didn't give her doctor all of the facts, and so she went on birth control and I'm mean, super dangerous, like had a blood clot and had a mini stroke. It oh. was crazy, and she's like 25 years old, yeah. so I thought, man, this is a thing that we don't realize, you know, like if your body's reacting that much to something, that maybe. We need to take a closer look. And also, there are alternatives. So, how do you advise people when they're trying to decide if they should be on birth control or not? Yeah, I think
0: that's a really good question. I think that for some women, hormonal birth control is well tolerated and is a good solution for them. It is very um, effective, right? But I do think that Mm -hmm. I have, I I see a lot of patients who don't like how they feel on birth control. Yes, yeah, certainly. I didn't know that happened to, to Haley Bieber. That is a risk that comes with, anytime you're taking hormones, you do um, incur a risk that you're adding extra ex- or exogenous hormones to your body. So things like increasing blood clot risk, um, things like inc- increasing cancer risk. Anytime we add hormones, um, uh, hormonal cancer, things like um, ovarian cancer or endometrial cancer or breast cancer risk. Now, um, most of the cancer risk is low, There's been lots of testing on that, Um, but also, you know, things that we don't always talk about. So um, oral birth control can reduce libido and ability to orgasm. So it actually can affect intimacy and intimacy in relationships. And for some women, they don't like what it does to their mood. For some women, it's helpful. So sometimes for PMS or PMDD, which is more serious PMS, um, oral birth control can be helpful. Um, and some women actually find that to be, um, to calm those symptoms down. Um, but unfortunately lots of women find that that's not the case. They feel unwell or even worse as far as, um, mentally, emotionally on birth control. There are other good options out there. I am, I mentioned natural family planning, which I really actually love when people are committed and I think it's a really good option when someone is really committed and also has a committed partner. So, so if you're in a long-term committed relationship, you want to use natural family planning and your partner is into it too. Like they're tracking with you. They're paying attention to, (laughs) oh, you know, we need a backup method because we're in that five-day window where you might be fertile, or we should do something else besides have intercourse during that five-day period so that we're extra careful. That's a great opportunity to use natural family planning. It's really empowering, but it's really easy. We're all human. It's easy to sort of not pay attention for a month, or again, if you don't have a partner who's sort of your backup paying attention, it's not necessarily a very good option in that case. Um, or if you have a really irregular, unpredictable cycle, then it can be hard. Yeah, right. But for people who have predictable cycles and an engaged partner, awesome, awesome opportunity. The you know, barrier methods like cervical cap, diaphragm, those are a little bit less common these days, but they're still available. Um, condoms for the male that still works. I believe it's somewhere between <laughs> 90, 95% efficacy. So it's not a hundred percent and um, gosh, I wish it were, but um, there's, there's that piece of it. The, um, I'm a huge fan of IUDs and um, IUDs are there's hormonal kinds and there are non-hormonal or copper IUDs. And when that's a good choice for a woman, not all women tolerate that either But wow, it can be amazing because it is um, out of sight, out of mind. You don't have to think about it or put any additional effort in. And it's there just quietly doing its job preventing pregnancy. So that's a really good option.
1: And something you told me that I thought was really interesting because I had never heard this before was that the kind of birth control, that, like a pill that you take, has a stronger, like way stronger hormones than an IUD because it has to pass through so much of your body. And it's basically like, um, forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, you could say it in a better way, but it's like there has to be enough hormones left by the time it gets to the right place. So it starts with much more, so it affects you more emotionally.
0: Yes. So it has to survive the first pass effect in the liver, which means you absorb it and then it goes through your liver and then it's distributed into the bloodstream. So you do have... More so, so there's a couple things going on there. So, one is it's putting an additional workload on your liver, your liver has to break down those hormones and kick them out. Um, and I think that's one reason why a lot of women don't tolerate it well is that maybe their liver pathways are a little bit bogged down or a little bit slower than the average, and they end up with a lot of sort of Uh, a back, maybe a backup of the hormones that are trying to clear from their system or get processed by the liver. So yeah, you do need more in order to get that effect. Um, Hormonally, if you use an IUD, you have a stronger local effect, but less strong circulating hormones that end up getting passed through like the liver and kidneys, for example. And so I find that um, it often is better tolerated to do like a hormonal version of the IUD as opposed to the um the oral. So a lot of times women they're like, oh, I didn't really love oral, but it didn't like make them crash and burn. I'm like, what about a hormonal IUD? That might be better tolerated. You might find that the level of hormones from an IUD are just going to feel a lot better than the oral did. So yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of IUDs when it works. And I love the copper IUD for women who don't tolerate hormones well or who don't want to take in extra hormones. it is, it's, I don't know why it doesn't get suggested more by OBGYNs. I think it's because you have to expect heavier bleeding and heavier, um, heavier periods for a period of time, usually three to six months, you're going to have a heavier period. You might have worse cramping. So if women already have really heavy periods and heavy cramping, like that thought makes them go, Oh, I don't think
1: so. Yeah, that's um, why I didn't do that one because yeah. I was just like, I can't, I'm already in it. I can't yes. have any more. Yes. But I feel like I've figured out how to, you know, manage all of that. We hope. Yes. Um <laughs> I would love to hear too, because you and I just started talking about this a little bit, uh, perimenopause and what are symptoms and signs that that is beginning to happen? And what are things that women can do that will can help sort of that transition? I don't really know anything about that world. And when you mentioned it to me, when I was like, I'm hemorrhaging, you were like, Well, it might, be. I wasn't really hemorrhaging. It felt like it though. <laughs> yes. um, you were like, oh, it might be perimenopause. Like it might, your cycle might be starting to change. So could you talk to us about that a little bit?
0: So, so from a standpoint of perimenopause, so perimenopause, I think of as that stage between when we're cycling and we have a regular cycle, it's predictable. We sort of know most women will say, yeah, this is my usual pattern. Now there are women who never quite get a rhythm and their, their, um, their period is still irregular for most of their um, cycling life. But most women have sort of a normal, like, usually this is what happens. And, um, typically somewhere between around like late thirties, early forties until around 50, um, give or take five years, we get to perimenopause, which means like typically, so say a woman starts to have a cycle at 13 and until around 40, it finds a rhythm and and we can usually predict around, you know, the, my cycle is usually say 28 days it lasts about five days, blah, blah. But when, um, you get to perimenopause, something changes. And so women will come to me and they say, well, you know, maybe they're 40 and they say all of a sudden, like I'm becoming less predictable or my periods are getting lighter or sometimes heavier. Um, or, you know, I have three cycles in a row, just like always. And then my next cycle is 40 or 50 days instead of 30. And, and this is you, this is the pattern is a change from the pattern. Okay, we just Mm -hmm. notice that there's changes. All of this predictability that's been happening for 20, 25 years is now changing, and so that changeability is a characteristic hallmark of perimenopause. Um, We also might find that sometimes the PMS is getting worse. Sometimes it's getting better. Sometimes we're noticing like that 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 changeability in the two weeks beforehand is not as bad as it used to be. We can also we can see increases in things like anxiety. I've seen anxiety flare with those changes as well, and sometimes depression, um, brain fog. So sometimes women will just be like, "I feel like you know, it just used to be so on everything, and now I feel like I've got kind of this cotton in my brain." And um, mm-hmm. so a lot of those changes can start to happen in that. Um, period of time when things become less predictable with our cycles, and um, there's there's a woman in 2012, a woman named Jerry Lynn Pryor, um, outlined stages of perimenopause. So even within that period of time, she basically said there's stages that are fairly predictable. I love that. I can't find that chart right now, but I think if you Google it, you'll be able to find the the stages of perimenopause. And that's another. This is another example of when I tell women about perimenopause. A lot of times. They have never heard, like their doctors, never spoken to them about perimenopause and said all these changes are normal, and and unfortunately, it's a little bit unpredictable because it really does look different for each person. But the thing that is um, a commonality is a change in the predictability of what's been going on before. So now things um, are less less patterned, less predictable. And, um, there are some really nice ways to balance that the alternating seeds and oils is one example. And um, there are lots of herbs, somebody who is, um, practiced in herbal medicine. There's some really nice herbs that can help balance the hormones. And one of the things I do the most often in perimenopause is to support the adrenals or the stress response, because, um, Is something we haven't really talked about yet, but the stress hormones, the sex hormones, and the thyroid hormones are sort of in this triangle. And they're always, there's all these feedback loops in this triangle. Um, these three hormonal systems are constantly trying to support one another in our bodies. And so, whenever I look at the person and, you know, from a whole person approach, um, if we see that there's symptoms that are sex hormone related, but also want to make sure we're paying attention to the stress hormones and the thyroid hormones, because those, those systems are trying to balance the imbalanced sex hormones and that can throw those off as well. So we want to make sure those three systems have good support are in good balance. If we don't if we just sort of tweak one side of that triangle and not recognize the other two are important, then we can actually um, throw things off balance.
1: National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So when you're trying to help people learn to support Adrenals and balance, are there is that supplements that you're taking? Is that lifestyle? Is it sort of a combination of all the things?
0: I would say it's a combination, right? Stress, part of part of the stress response or the adrenal response is looking at both. I like to ask women, like, are there things that you're overcommitting to? Because reducing the stress where you can will help, right? And um, and then the second piece of that is. How are you responding to the stress that you have? Cause we all have some stress and some of our stresses are unavoidable or important parts of our life. So how can we handle that stress in a healthy way? Because that will help to reduce the stress response and reduce the effect of the negative effects of stress on our lives and our bodies and our minds. And um, and yes, there are certainly nutrients that can be helpful. There are herbs that can be helpful. Nutrient wise, you know, B vitamins and magnesium are fantastic support for supporting the adrenals and the stress response and energy systems in our body. The um, herbal, there's so many nice herbs that are really, we call them adaptogens, really helpful Mm. to improve your stress. Holy
1: basil, holy (laughs) basil,
0: ashwagandha, rhodiola, really nice examples of um, adaptogenic herbs that really help Us to sort of strengthen our um, our response, our healthy response to stress, and prevent us from getting too anxious um, or depressed in response to stress.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And the thyroid is really, you know, I I often refer to the thyroid as the canary in the coal mine. Our thyroids are really sensitive (laughs) to toxins in the environment, often sensitive to food allergies or sensitivities, and um, and also the thyroid needs some really important trace minerals and nutrients for good function, things like zinc and selenium, really important for thyroid function. And we can, we can do things like supplement them, but even things like Brazil nuts, a fantastic source of selenium. And oftentimes if if people need a little um, thyroid support, you know, you can get some healthy fats and some protein and some selenium by eating a couple of brazil nuts every day really easy food as medicine
1: there's a great book it's a little dense if people aren't into this but just speaking of foods and and the incredible effect they can have on us is a great book called how not to die have you ever I read that? Of that book i haven't
0: read it no. yeah
1: so it's essentially um really is a, it's a it's a hell of a title, but really it's all of the foods and supplements and things that exist in the world. And like the purest form, like having, you know, when you can have a supplement and when you should actually eat the food Mm. itself to get the same, you know, should you cook it? Should you not? Like I said, it's very dense, but it is really incredible to sort of look at food as medicine and see all of the, the effects that it can have on our bodies. And that the flip is also true. Like when you are eating things that, and don't understand that you feel like crap today because of you had a sensitivity to something you ate a couple days ago. Um, I'd love to ask, like we've, uh, I really want to be conscious of your time because you have a very busy schedule. Uh, But I, as we're sort of wrapping our conversation up today, or at least our first conversation, because I just know people are going to freak out and you're going to have to come back and hang out with us again. Are there simple things that you would say across the board, you're seeing consistently that if people did these three things or this one thing, or, you know, if people drink more water or did, you know, that maybe our listeners haven't really thought of before, that it's a simple fix, but it really helps. Like, um, for example, obviously not that you could tell a bunch of people to take different things, but... One of the supplements that I take because of our time together is uh, Vitex or Chase Berry, yes. And I remember I, saying to you, like, I feel so good. I don't know what's going on. And you were like, honestly, people say that that supplement's like magic. And it really – I, it, it's the most amazing thing ever. I've told so many people. I've sent people to you because I'm like, she, you know, has been so helpful. Are there things like that that you're like, guys, if you would just – up your B vitamin or do this thing, it would really improve the quality of your life.
0: It's a good question. There is no magic
1: pill. Yes. yes. I,
0: I wish I had one, but you know, for two, let's see, the Vitex can be really magical when people have, when women have progesterone dominance. So that is, that is true. Or
1: estrogen dominance.
0: Estrogen, or I, yes. I'm, I misspoke. Estrogen dominance. Yeah. You are correct and um it can be incredible at improving that progesterone level relative to estrogen and so it is when when that's the case it is it is close to magical for women who have <laughs> oh um, my gosh and you know it's it's tough because um i always i get annoyed by the websites that have magical cures because I really think I just want to say this I think that individualizing our medicine to the individual in front of us is the most effective way to to be a good doctor. So I really try to sort of clean slate let's look at the person in front of me what's going on with him or her. And I think that that when you're working with a doctor that's really important. Um, you know I don't look at a person and say this is you know estrogen dominance this person may have that. And they also have this other complex history and the, these unique um, components about their lives and their health that make them who they are and bring them in front of me. So there are no magic pills that will help everyone. And I think that's whenever I see, you know, marketing saying, this will do all of these things. And this is all you have to do. No, it's not true. I will tell you, and I know that this, that people will probably think that they're hearing this over and over, but it's for a very good reason. Exercise is crucial. And, and I think it is, I know it is. I hear people all the time say, when I get busy, I stop exercising. Right. And it is, it will help everything. There's this fantastic Mm -hmm. video online. It's a doctor whose name I'm forgetting right now, where he says, you know, the one thing that I would recommend to all my patients, this is an MD. And he says, exercise, it helps everything. So, you know, whatever that looks like for you, for somebody that might be, you know, CrossFit hit workouts for someone else that might be Mm -hmm. taking a 20 minute walk every day or doing yoga in your living room. So whatever that looks like for you, get moving, keep moving. I love that you notice like going outside is huge for you. And I think we can also get very insulated in front of our computers or in our work environment or in our home environment and forget to take time outside in nature. And these are so valuable and um, I think so crucial to our mental, emotional, and physical health. You know, my top three supplements that I recommend on a regular basis are probably fish oil, probiotics, vitamin D. And then probably the next one would be an active B complex, right? But those aren't right for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. they're right for many people and they're quite Mm -hmm. safe for many people get your vitamin D levels checked. Really important. Get some sun on your skin without sunscreen. Don't get burned, but a little bit of sun on your skin is actually really important for vitamin D production. And, There's a
1: great app um, for listeners if if y'all haven't used it before called D Minder. I love D Minder. Um, yeah, so, uh, so you you will say like where you are, how much clothes you're wearing, uh, you know, is it cloudy? Is it that like you sort of put it all into the app, and then it'll tell you based on your skin type, and it's really smart. Like you can, it'll yeah, it'll tell you how long you can be in the sun, like until you get your the D that you need, and also before you get burned. Yes. So it's great, especially coming up on summer when people are like, I don't really know. It will literally an alarm will go off and it will be like, get out of the sun, get you've had too much, <laughs> like go, go, get yes. out of here. And
0: you can even put your, if you get your, when you get your vitamin D level checked, you can actually put your vitamin D level in there and it'll, it'll tell you, you know, what it's going to be doing. And it tracks really well. I've had a couple of patients yeah. really get into the D minder and I think it's really, really cool. And it works really well. I love that. And I will tell you, I think that more and more as I work with brain health, the value in some type of a meditative practice, whether it's meditation, breathing exercises, um, journaling, really valuable to center, to calm the nervous system, to support your stress response. um, Really just incredible what even 10 minutes a day of some intentional breathing, or you know, put a, put a, um, an app on your phone that does, walks you through a little meditation can really be incredible. We don't take enough time for self-care in this culture. It's not yes. valued, especially as women. We're so busy taking care of everyone else that the self-care doesn't get valued and prioritized like it should. And it can really make a difference.
1: I think that one is especially powerful. Um, meditation is especially powerful for anybody who struggles with anxiety, especially, I mean, it helps everybody, but as a person who has really battled anxiety in the past, meditation was what allowed me to separate myself from my thoughts, which was one of the most powerful skills I have learned as a human being is to understand that I don't have to live inside a swirling, anxious thought that I can sort of separate myself and be like, actually, that's not true. That's not that you're, that's something that you're making up in your head, especially when it comes to hormones, hormone imbalance, because when my hormones were so out of whack, my anxiety was a thousand times worse. So meditation sometimes was the only thing that could really get me to separate. And I do feel like you want to establish a meditative practice when you're doing okay, so that you have the habit for when you're struggling, Like if you're waiting till the moment that you feel anxious to try and learn to meditate, (laughs) you're probably going to have a bit of a hard time. So it's why establishing things like exercise and meditation can really be helpful to, um, to create sort of this routine so that you can slip back into it, especially when you need it the most. That's excellent advice. I
0: absolutely agree with you. You know, practice so you can use it when you need it. You can access it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, if people want to find out more about you, I don't even know if you have room in your schedule because I feel like you're you're all the people and all the clients and all the things. But if people want to learn more about what you're doing, what y'all are doing at Amen Clinics, like how they can learn more, where should we send them?
0: Absolutely. So amenclinic.com is is the the source. We've got, I think, nine clinics across the US. Um, and, you know, Amen Clinics, you know, uh, the the specialty is using spec scans to look at the brain, which is incredibly valuable for so many mental health conditions, so many physical concerns. I have I love even patients who come in and they're trying to prevent Alzheimer's or dementia. Maybe there's a family history, or maybe they're just concerned. They want to get their brain to work as well as possible for as long as possible. Fantastic preventive approach as well as useful for. People who have had injuries or other concerns. Now, as well, I also take patients who just want an integrative doctor. Um, we don't have to do brain scans. So I do have patients who are just integrative patients, um, aside from the brain health focus and aside from the spec scan. So I am taking new patients. You can't always get in immediately. But I am taking new patients and I love working with patients and being a detective to figure out what's going on and how we can address things um, using a holistic approach and get to the root cause. It's just such a valuable approach. And I really think people are ready for an approach that, um, you know, where we really are listening and taking in all of the components of, of who we are. As people and recognizing these all play an important role in our health.
1: Yeah. I think um, what I hope people have gotten out of our conversation today is that there is help. There is help. There are things that you can do and it's not even fruit way up at the tops of the trees. It's low hanging fruit. It's things that you can buy at your grocery store. It's changes you can make in your life that will make you feel so much better. And, um, if nothing else, I hope that our conversation sort of sparked some curiosity and maybe people do a deeper dive and, and research more and kind of start to walk down their own path, uh, to love healing. It. So I love that. yeah, thank, thank you so much for hanging out and the time. I'm so grateful.
0: It's so nice talking with you. And I want to just say, Rachel, just um, if if people are interested in finding a good integrative doctor, I mean, there are lots of us out here who are doing fantastic whole person health integrative approach, naturopathic approach. Naturopathic.org is a great resource to find licensed naturopathic doctors. Um, we are not licensed, we're licensed in about half of the states. And so it's important to cool. find someone who's gone to a four-year medical school like I have. And there's, there's other, uh, there's also MDs who have integrative training as well. So there's lots of good options out there. You have to look a little bit for the right person. That's the right fit for you. But I just want to encourage people to, to find a doctor who is really going to listen and, and take a holistic approach if that's what they're looking for.
1: Love that. Love, love, love. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Yeah. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.
0: My son had a gift with technology